This episode of the Beauté Industry Podcast was brought to you by Murad Skincare Australia. Hello and welcome to the Beauté Industry Podcast, your online support community for the professional beauty industry. I am your host, founding director of Beauté Industry, Tamara Reid. Here, we are closing the competitive gap and speaking your language. This is a platform created and dedicated to the professional beauty industry, valuing community over competition. We serve to help connect you with inspiration from industry experts, expand your knowledge through educational pieces, and bring you the latest in product and technology innovation. This is Beauty Industry. Today, my guest is Madeline Kate. To current date, Madeline has been working in the professional beauty industry for 13 years, with her main focus being on skin therapies. Over the years, she's spent seven years furthering her skills and another six years performing cosmetic tattooing procedures. With raving reviews and an incredible industry fan base, it is clear that Madeline is using her talent where needed by displaying her finer attention to detail and developing conscious and considered business strategy around the demands of her business. You'll hear in today's conversation, despite her incredible internationally successful business, student training offering and the newly founded product brand, that Madeline is as humble as they come. Grounded by the premise of working hard before making announcements and challenges she's found along the way through self-doubt, confidence, and what it takes to run a home business, this is a conversation that whether you provide brows as a service in your space or not, everyone can take away a piece of Madeline's down-to-earth approachability. Here's Madeline and I for Beauté Industry. Madeline, welcome to the Beauté Industry podcast. Thanks so much for having me today. Thank you so much for joining me. So we start um, our episodes in the same way every single week by finding out how our guests actually entered into the beauty industry. So where did it all start for you? So I actually started my um, journey into the beauty industry when I was 16 years old. I actually started um, during high school when I was studying my VCE. I decided to do a vet course um, in beauty therapy and did that at Ali Lucas. And then once I finished my VCE at high school, I then decided to further my studies um, in a diploma of beauty therapy at Ali Lucas. Um, and then I decided from there that I wanted to Uh, further my studies at Victorian University. I actually completed a degree, a Bachelor of Health Science in Skin Therapies. And then from then on, I completed a course in cosmetic tattooing. Amazing. I mean, thinking back to 16-year-old Madeline at high school, oh my goodness, I was such a naughty girl at high school. I didn't even know what I wanted to do. But it sounds like you knew exactly from then that you were going to go into beauty. Is that kind of how it played out? Yeah, it's so funny. I remember sitting down during lunchtime at high school, um, talking with my friends and we're all kind of discussing what we wanted to do once we left high school. And a lot of my friends were like, oh, we're not sure. Like, do we want to study this? Do we want to study that? And I remember a a couple of them being unsure. And I just remember sitting there going, yeah, I want to open my own salon one day. And I was... um, I was very sure about that. So uh, yeah, it's something that I always wanted to do. Yeah, right. And did your did your parents have businesses or like where did that 
come from? Because I think at 16, we're all just thinking, I can't wait till I'm 18 and partying. And you're like, I know I'm going to have my own salon. Well, I definitely party. That's for sure. <laughs> like, I definitely went through that stage. Um, but my, my parents did own their own business. So my mum and dad actually owned a building company, which was really, really cool. Um, the, the building business um, was you know, very, very um, in demand at the time. And I remember my parents, um, you know, always being very busy with the business. So I definitely think that that's encouraged me in um, to do what I do now. Yeah, amazing. And so that vet course, is that three days at beauty school and then two days at high school? It might, might have been the other way around. I remember during VCE, so we had to study our VCE as normal, um, but what we would do is miss out on one day of school and go down to Dramana High School and actually do the the Ali Lucas vet course down there. So we actually had to miss out on an entire day of VCE to study the Certificate 3. So that was a bit of a... a a juggling act and it was difficult at the time because we kind of had to play catch up on the VCE studying. Yeah, of course. But for you, it's kind of a no brainer because then you went and did the diploma anyway. Um, yeah. did, you, did you feel like you already kind of had a foot in the door because you had done some of those components of the course already? Yeah, it definitely shortened the course, which was great um, because I studied my diploma all the way up in the city. It was a bit of travelling time that was included. So to kind of cut the course a little bit shorter and study less time in the, in the city, it definitely made it easier to um, spend some time at home to study and not always be on the road. Yeah, amazing. And so you did also um, the Bachelor of Dermal Therapies. In yeah. between qualifying the diploma and then going to do further study, did you work in between there in a salon or straight? Yeah, in? I actually worked from day one when I was sixteen. So I started wow. my I started my traineeship at a salon down Main Street, which actually happened to be in the exact location that my salon is in now. Oh, how special is that? Yeah, so I actually did a traineeship um, in the salon that was in my salon now one day a week. So I worked there every Saturday and I just continued right through. So when I was studying my Bachelor of Health Science and when I was studying my diploma, I was also working directly in the industry. Right, interesting. And yeah. so once you finish your batch of dermal therapies, what kind of courses, uh, not courses, sorry, jobs did you go into from there? Did you go straight into kind of more of that dermal science stuff? Did you go into laser? Yeah, so I was definitely really passionate about the skin side of the industry at that point in time. And what I actually did was I applied for a job in the city at a plastic surgery. And when I got that position, I was absolutely stoked. I was so excited. Um, I yeah, I was just over the moon because my dream was to work alongside plastic surgeons, doctors and nurses and other healthcare professionals as, um, you know, skin was my real passion at the time. Yeah, right. How interesting. And that's so cool that you can go straight into working with germs and plastics because that, you know, generally on their kind of ads, they're like five years experience and X, Y, Z, but how nice that yeah. they took you on at such a kind of young, interesting age. 
Yeah, it was really, really exciting at the time. The The head of dermal in my actual workplace very much mentored me at the time. So I was very lucky in the sense that I had a lot of guidance, a lot of support um, in that position. And I was actually surprised that they did take me on not having an extensive amount of experience, but they were very, very encouraging. So that was fantastic. Oh, that is amazing. Because I think that's the biggest thing that I hear from therapists. It's like, well, I need to get out and get experience, but everybody's asking me, do I have experience? And I can't apply unless I do. So it's almost like you always need that one person who just sees something in you and they're like, yes, you can do it. Yeah, look, I haven't always worked in the most encouraging environments. I did work in a, a workplace where I didn't feel like I thrived. So when I when I got the position at the plastic surgery, I was so thrilled because the environment was so supportive and that definitely encouraged me to further into the industry. Yeah, and that's it. I think sometimes, and I had this exact same experience, I went out into my first role and things were happening all over the place. I mean, a $400 French clay treatment we were using a $2 clay from like a Chinese shop, you know? And I was like, is this what the whole industry is? And I nearly personally wrote off the whole entire beauty industry just on that first job. But I think sometimes, and this is also a message to any, you know, new therapists that are coming into the industry. It's like, there's probably like one in 10 businesses that do the wrong thing. And it's so unfortunate if you go out into the industry and you get into that one in 10 that do the wrong thing, because it does put a dampener. But I like what you're saying there. Like Mm -hmm. you've got to keep going. You've got to push through, you know, through those unfortunate experiences. And for you now being a business owner, it's like you've, you've learned the book of what not to do. Exactly. And it's, um, it very much happened for me when I was studying my bachelor of health science Um, during dermal, I actually um, went to one of my uh, lecturers and I said to her, I'm actually not sure whether I want to continue on with dermal therapies. So there was a point where I very much had a lot of self-doubt and I was questioning whether I was actually in the right industry for me. And she sat me down and she said, look, Maddie, you've got a year left to complete your bachelor. She encouraged me. She said, look, I think that you have a lot of potential and I think that you should really push through. And then once you've completed your degree, if you want to continue on into a different industry at the time I was thinking about nursing, um, she said, you know, once you have the degree under your belt, you can then continue on into a different industry. But there was definitely moments where I had a little bit of self-doubt and I thought, I'm not sure if this is right for me. And so it was it was really good to have someone go, you know what, Maddie, you've got this, just keep going. So I wouldn't say that it's all been, you know, rainbows and sunshine through through the industry. Yeah. And that's it. When you're so young, you don't know what you don't know. And obviously there's like hormones flying around and you're trying to navigate like full-time work and building a career. And then, you know, you've got people who aren't supportive. You've got people who are being bitchy in the space. Like it's a very confusing time and there is a lot of self-doubt that comes with that. Yeah, it's definitely confusing. And I'm so glad that I pushed through because I wouldn't be where I am now without pushing through. But um, I think people just expect you to just be confident and have it all down pat from day one, but it doesn't necessarily work like that. Um, You know, being a beauty therapist and then opening your own business is a lot more complex than what people realise. 
Absolutely. Couldn't have said that better myself. So you've already studied um, your vet, your diploma, now your bachelor. What made you want to go, do you know what? I might go back to further study and and tack on another um, course in cosmetic tattooing. Yeah. So it was really funny the way that the cosmetic tattooing came about because at the time I was actually wanting to study, study nursing. So I was about to apply for a master's in nursing at the time. And I was wanting to delve into theater nursing and, um, and do that side of the industry and work along alongside plastic surgeons in theater. So that was what I was interested in at the very time. And then how it came about was I was having a chat with my co-workers and my boss at the time about where I wanted to head in into the industry further and what path I wanted to go down and I had a conversation with one of my co-workers and she said Mads I've seen this um, cosmetic tattooing Um, we love the way that you do eyebrows check out this technique and it was actually feather touch at the time and I remember looking at it going oh that's really cool I would love to be able to do that so I sat down in a meeting with one of the plastic surgeons and we're just having a chat and I just explained my interest in cosmetic tattooing and um and yeah we're having a a bit of a, a laid back conversation about it and I said to him, cosmetic tattooing really interests me. Like I've seen these photos online and and so forth. And he said to me, oh, Mads, that would be be great. Like he goes, would you be interested in doing um, nipples and areola tattooing post mastectomy? So it was obviously something that he wanted to include into his business too. And I just said, yep, that would be amazing. So that's where I decided to study cosmetic tattooing. I definitely had a strong passion for brows at the time and and loved doing eyebrow shaping. But cosmetic tattooing was not something that I thought that I would dwell into until that moment. And so I looked up different cosmetic tattooing courses and, and found the particular one that I wanted to do, which included nipple, areola tattooing, eyeliner tattooing, um, lip tattooing, and of course, eyebrows. And that's where I dwelled into the course from there. Oh, how special. I, I love what you're saying there, because I think sometimes therapists are, or just people in general, really are too scared to say what they want, you know, and in that moment prior to having that meeting with your plastic surgeon, you might've gone, what if he fires me? What if he, you know, he sees that this is not something that they want to incorporate into the business or what if they think, oh, actually we already know this amazing tattoo artist. We'll just bring them in instead, or we're never going to pay for Maddie to do this training. But it's like, when you have that conversation, he's like, yes, oh my goodness, this is a service I've been wanting to bring in. This is perfect. We'll make it work. You know, I think sometimes we've just got to be vocal about what we want and the kind of career pathways that we travel down. Otherwise, People and managers don't know. Exactly. And I think that's where communication is really important. So I think communicating what you want to do in the industry, what you want to do with your job and kind of brainstorming over different ideas because sometimes it takes a little bit of time to figure out what you want to do and, and what niche you want to fit into in the beauty industry because there's so many avenues that you can go down, whether it be spa, beauty, waxing, um, 
you know, obviously you can go down skin, facials and cosmetic tattooing. So there is so many avenues that you can kind of fit into. And I think it does take some time to figure out what you what you want to do and what what would be um, the best part of the industry for you. After the break, Maddie gets raw with us about being a business owner, juggling self-doubt and comparison, being a mum and creating her empire all at the same time. But first, a word from today's beauty partner. Community, if you are looking to gain total skin wellness for your clients, then look no further. Murad's science-backed professional skincare treatments and solutions promote healthy, nourished and beautiful skin. Murad's founder, Dr. Howard Murad, is recognized around the world as a leading visionary for his unmatched scientific innovations. A board-certified dermatologist, trained pharmacist and associate clinical professor of medicine, Dr. Murad has personally treated over 50,000 patients, so it's safe to say that he knows skin. For more than 30 years, Murad has been committed to developing clinically proven, cruelty-free products that meet the meticulous standards for safety, efficacy and care you would expect from a doctor. Plus, they're supported by Dr. Murad's industry-first research for the most advanced formulas that don't just consider a symptom or a concern, but rather address total skin health. The team at Murad want to help you achieve yours and your clients' skincare goals, and they're so kindly offering a free product pack to start you on your journey. That is right, you heard it here. It is free. All you have to do is email kbacon, that's K-B-A-C-O-N, at murad.com and mention the Beauté Industry Podcast to have your Murad skincare pack sent out to you. As a longtime lover of Murad myself, trust me, your clients and your skin will thank you. Thank you so much to the team at Murad for making this episode possible. And now back to Maddie. Now, when and how did you perfect your craft along the way? Because, you know, nowadays there's like a three-day tattooing course or a one-day tattooing course, and then you're just expected to be, you know, an artist after that. How long do you think it really took you to kind of gain your technique and and feel like you were at the top of your game where you could treat a client yeah so I was having a think about this the other day and I was actually thinking about you know the start of the industry and when I began cosmetic tattooing and how difficult it was because when I did my course in cosmetic tattooing it was very short and I remember thinking at the time Um, The techniques were very harsh and the education was very limited. And I remember thinking at the time, these techniques are very harsh on the skin. And I had such a passion for skin and skin health that it was kind of conflicting at the time. Mm. So I actually actually self-taught from there. And I did have a lot of mentors and people guide me. But at the very start of the industry, the very start of my my cosmetic tattooing journey, I would say it was very tough and very difficult because I didn't have anyone to turn to. I didn't have any advice. So, yeah, it was very difficult that first 12 months particularly. Um, I, I, I definitely 
had moments where I wanted to give up or moments where I thought, you know, this isn't for me, but I definitely pushed on. I pushed through those challenges and, and there was a lot of self-teaching around that time um, because the education was so short and so brief. I think the industry has grown a lot since then. The courses are a little bit more extended. They're a lot more thorough and you can delve into masterclasses now, which weren't as common back then. So I definitely think that the education has improved a lot since then. Yeah, well, that was going to be my question because I guess back when you started, we didn't have the luxury of Facebook groups and forums and communities and things like that. Like, did you ever kind of look up to anyone in the industry who was doing great things or have any mentors that you, you know, you might have or you wanted to reach out to? Yeah, so there was particularly Sabina Brow, artist in Queensland at the time. And I remember being very inspired by her work and her business at the time. So she was definitely a big inspiration for me. And I have often told her that and communicated that with her because, um, yeah, she was just amazing. And um, in terms of business mentors and so forth, I would definitely say that there's not one person. There's been a lot of different people along the way who have mentored me or given me advice to help me grow in the industry. Uh, early days, I would say my dad was a massive mentor for me, owning his own business, and my mum and dad who worked together to to run their business successfully. So my dad was always encouraging me to take that one step further, and my mum was always really supportive of me. So that was a big um, a big thing for me early days. I guess working alongside other inspiring um, therapists along my my beauty therapy journey has definitely inspired me along the way. But I would say that there was not one particular person. There was a lot of people who who helped me along the way. Yeah, of course. Now, you mentioned earlier that it was always a dream of yours to start the business. At what point did you think, okay, I could probably make this a reality now? I would definitely say that the turning point for me to open my own business happened when I had my first son, Mason. So he's five years old now. And when I had him, I actually opened my own home studio at the time. And what happened was I was breastfeeding and I was doing a client and I was breastfeeding and then doing a client and then breastfeeding. So that was really, um, you know, it was funny. It was it was a juggling act for sure. Um, and my home studio was doing extremely well. And I actually hired my cousin's girlfriend at the time, who's a good friend of mine, Kate, and she came on board as my admin. And I remember her sitting there writing back to emails all the time for me because I was time poor. And as we were replying back to emails and the emails were starting to grow, I started to get a wait list and there was lots of clients being put down on a wait list and I was struggling to fit them in. And so what was happening was I was growing uh, quicker than what I had anticipated and breastfeeding a little one and then going to a client and then breastfeeding was definitely, it was tricky. And I was, um, 
I was growing, my business was growing. The home studio was amazing at the time, but I wanted to have a bigger car park. I wanted to have my, my signage. I wanted to have staff that I could train up to take on some of the clients that I couldn't fit in myself. So that's when I decided it was a gradual kind of process where I thought hmm, I might look into different salon spaces. And I originally looked at a few different salon spaces that were a bit smaller than what I've got now. And I started to talk to real estate agents and, and discuss prices. And I just thought, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it properly. So that's where I, I actually started to look into the, the, location that I am in now and my partner was encouraging me to look into that location and when I chatted to the real estate agent um, I thought you know what I can do this and and so it was a a gradual process but I definitely think juggling my son and the home studio at the same time was definitely the point where I thought you know what I want to expand from here and I want to grow and I want to take on staff so I definitely think it was around that time that I thought yep I can do this. Well, superwoman, right? I mean, breastfeeding in between clients, that's just insane. I couldn't even imagine doing that. Um, Speaking about like challenges and, and, you know, fitting in home life and work life, what do you think has been the hardest part of being a business owner? Um, The hardest part about being a business owner is definitely juggling family life and a business at the same time. It's definitely a juggling act um, and I have to be super organised. I've learnt that with time is that, you know, the the night before I have to get organised, I have to get my clothes out ready, I have to get my kids' clothes out ready for the next day. So that's definitely a hard part of running a business is having a family and and making sure that my my children are still number one uh this the second hardest thing would be also you know juggling staff because when you open a business with yourself as a technician you are accountable of all the decisions that you make but when you take on staff you have people that are representing your brand and and Um, yeah representing your brand and definitely um, impacting your your name um, hopefully in a positive way so it's it's definitely tricky to juggle all of that and and run a successful business Um, but I definitely think that it's worth it in the end Yeah, well, that's a really interesting point that I wanted to bring up with you because I think especially when you go from home business and especially when your name's on the business, it's like people want to book in with you because you're the specialist, right? Like you're the face of the business. How have you kind of navigated telling clients or maybe better word is encouraging clients to see other team members and to not always just want you so that you can fill up their books? Yeah, it was definitely difficult at the start because clients were familiar with me and they were very comfortable with me. I definitely think that um, growing my my staff members' clientele came with time and trust. So they're the two things. It, it came gradually with time because clients became familiar with my staff. Perhaps they couldn't fit in with me. So they've um, seen my staff and realized how amazing they are. So I definitely think it comes down to a trust thing as well, because a lot of my clients know how 
fussy and particular I am, and they know that the same would go for hiring and recruiting new staff members. So a lot of them do say, I trust you and I trust that you would only hire the best and obviously they're trained by you. So it, it definitely comes with that trust factor and, and time. Yeah, I like that you've said trust there. I definitely think that's a big thing because I think, well, I hear a lot, you know, business owners say, oh, I could, I could never take, you know, my most loyal clients over to my team. And yeah. I always say to them, which is a little bit agitating and a little bit confronting, um, then you don't trust your team enough. Exactly. You should be able to say, I'll put you with Lucy. Lucy is 10 out of 10. In fact, she's 11 out of 10. She probably performs the treatment better than I can. Yes. And yes. I know that you're going to be in good hands. It's so funny that you say that because often when people, um, often if a client does question my staff, I'm quite shocked by it because I think my staff are just as amazing. Like they do an incredible job. We all do an incredible job. And like you said, they're 11 out of 10. So I do not for one moment question my staff. And I, I feel very, um, I feel very comfortable giving my clients over to them at times. I think they're going to do an incredible job. And there's been times where clients have gone over to a staff member and I've gone, how did you go? And they're like, wow, so amazing, Maddie. Like I, I was blown away. She did the brows just like you. And, and then they're a client, you know, for that staff member as well. So that's amazing. Yeah. And I think that probably comes down to a lot of the scaffolding you've got in place for your business. Like you mentioned before, your training and the way that you onboard them, you've obviously got policies and procedures and systems in place so that they are treating the client like you would not just physically treating them, but on a customer service level, on a checkout level, on a presentation level, and, and kind of all of those different metrics. I think often when, you know, and, and we do this all the time, business owners are so busy running around doing all the things that a new team member comes on in and we're just like yeah throw her in the deep end and then she's in the deep end she stuffs up the treatment it comes back on us but really it's our fault because we haven't inducted them properly that's so true because you have to take some responsibility as a business owner that if a staff member was to make a mistake perhaps we didn't train enough so definitely policies and procedures are crucial in that sort of sense if you want to expand or grow your business policies and procedures are number one because you've got to make sure that everyone's on the same page and everyone's refre reflecting your brand um, that's crucial and so important. So I definitely think that when I hire and I look for staff, I look for someone that is going to reflect my brand and um, be able to follow the same um, techniques, but obviously training comes with that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to talk about your training as well, because you do um, a fair bit of training in your clinic, obviously, now that's on pause with the world being upside down. But when did you feel like you were, I don't want to say the word good enough, but maybe ready to be able to train other people in the industry? Yeah, it's definitely, it was definitely a proud moment for me, um, introducing my masterclasses. Uh, I introduced them roughly about a year and a half now. I definitely introduced that with request. So I didn't just one day think, okay, I'm going to start training and I feel ready for this. I started to get people requesting me to teach my techniques and, and show other cosmetic tattooists how I do things. 
And so with time and with the request, I decided this is something that I want to do. I want to share my knowledge. I've worked in the industry for quite a long time now. I'd been cosmetic tattooing for five years. So that was definitely a moment where I felt confident that my techniques were worth sharing. Um, there was definitely moments of self-doubt along the way of whether I should be um, doing it. Not in the sense I was never afraid to share my knowledge, but I, it was obviously from a, a self-doubt aspect. Am I good enough? Um, I had a lot of support from my family and my partner and my friends to make that decision and make that jump into the industry to start to teach. And, and from there, it just it grew. So my first masterclass was definitely a proud moment for me. I had one student travel from the US, so internationally straight wow. away. And it was it was so amazing. I, I just thought, wow, people actually um, care and, and they want to know how I do things. And I felt very humbled and very honoured to be able to share my knowledge. Well, I really like that um, you know, you, you are so humble just hearing from you that you waited for the demand to come to you rather than going, right, well, I've done X amount of this and I've got my own business and, you know, now I'm just going to be a trainer. You know, I really yeah. appreciate that people were asking you and then you were kind of like, okay, well, if they're asking, I do have something special, so why not? Yeah, I definitely didn't just jump into it um, and jump into the decision and just go, yep, I'm good enough. Um, I have always been that cautious type as well, so I never want to make the wrong decision. So each decision that I have made within my business has always been like a gradual decision and something that I've thought a lot about before I jump into. Beautiful. Now, talking about decisions, tell me about Brow Hold because this is a big decision that you've made recently. How did that come about? Yeah, so Brow Hold's really cool. I, I love telling the story because I just love how it came about. So how Brow Hold came about was um, we had a couple of products in the salon that we were playing around with and we we're using post-brow shaping treatments and um I guess we weren't 100% satisfied with the results that we were getting with some of them. And years and years ago, when I was on maternity leave with my first son, I actually started making skincare. So I was hand making skincare at the time. And it, it kind of, um, it was good at the time, but it didn't really turn into anything particular. And so I had that kind of skincare making background behind me. So I said to my staff, um, I might try to come up with something myself. I want to create my own product. And they all laughed and giggled because they would say, you know, you're always doing something, Maddie. You're never, you, you never stop. <laughs> so I, I kind of pondered on the idea for a little bit. I did a bit of research into the different products um, on the market and different ingredients that may or may not work. And I kind of formulated my own product. So um, I, I played around with a few different batches and what I did was I actually did up a trial batch and I, I brought it into my salon one day and I gave all of my staff a tin and said, do you want to try it? And they were like, yeah, of course. So they all popped it on that day and, and at the end of the day I said, how did it go? And one of my girls said, my brows haven't moved. <laughs> so... Mm -hmm. um, 
we all had a bit of a giggle and they're like, the product's amazing, Maddie. So there was a little bit of tweaking from there, but that's how the product actually came about was that it, it was just an idea of a product that I thought I wanted to create. I played around with it for a little bit and it was a success very soon. So I started to create this product and the branding and it just grew from there. I, clients would have the product applied post brow shaping treatment and go, wow, what's that product you've applied? So we started to sell products very quickly and very fast they started to sell out. So my staff were like, Mad, this product's great. It's selling out. You need to do more. And it started to grow from there. And very quickly, I've had other salons interested in the product. Um, they've wanted to stop for their clients and I've improved the packaging and the branding and it very much reflects my business. So I, I am very proud of the product because it's grown very quickly and it's a really beautiful product to use. Ah, oh, congratulations. I can't believe you. you formulated. I mean, private label is so easy these days. So to hear that you actually formulated the product yourself, that is so special. Yeah, I didn't want to private label this particular product because I wanted it to be free of certain nasties um, like SLS or um, palm oil. So that's where I decided to create it myself because there were certain nasties that I didn't want to include into the product. And so I wanted it to be very much um, tailored to our clients' needs. So what's actually the difference between Brow Hold Your product and all of the other million brow products on the market at the moment? So the difference between brow hold and your everyday like eyebrow gel is that the eyebrow gels are something that you apply and it's quite flexible. You apply it to the brow and then within an hour, within an hour the eyebrow hairs kind of drop. Mm. So it's more of like a liquid solution, whereas the brow hold is a little bit more like a wax. You pop the water mist into the product. It activates it. You apply it to the brows and then it sets and it's not, it doesn't set like super rigid. It's a little bit flexible, but it holds the hairs into place all day long. So that's where the name brow hold came from. And so like a normal consumer, because this is sounding confusing for me, a mist into a soapy thing. And then I'm like, like for somebody who's as dumb as me and doesn't know anything oh. about brows, it's super easy to apply, right? Yeah, it's super easy to apply. So there's one product with the actual brow hold, and then there's a bottle with a mist. So you pump the mist into the product, you mix them together. So it's a liquid and a wax. You mix them together and then apply it to the brow and then it sets from there. Perfect. And that's also a great retail item to extend your average client spend, increase your average basket size, help your therapist get retail. Because even in our mystery shop that I did um, last month and I got lamination and sculpting and tinting, yes. I made a note and I said I didn't get retailed any product. So yep. this is actually a really good little add-on for that service. Yeah, a lot of stockers say it's just so easy to upsell brow hold because it's at such a good price point. I think that's number one. It's at such an easy price point to upsell. Also, clients see it applied to their brows straight after a procedure. So they see it in the work. 
straight away. And then also I think it's just, um, it sells itself. So it's a really, really good product to apply after the service because people just look at it and go, oh, wow, what's that that you've applied? And it starts the retail discussion straight from there. Mm. Um, can I ask retail how much it is? It's $39.95. Oh, easy done. Which includes everything. It includes the product, the mist, the, the mascara ones and instructions. And it comes in a really pretty branded bag. Yeah, exciting times ahead. My goodness, talk about, you know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic and here you are starting up a second business pretty much. Yeah, it's so busy and it's good. I'm, I'm really proud of that. Brilliant. So what's next for you? I mean, after everything 2020 is thrown at us and, you know, you've had such a fruitful career already, do you feel like you want to expand the business? Do you want to go international with Brownhold? I mean, I'm sure you've had all these wild thoughts and dreams since as you're somebody who can't sit still. What's on the bucket list? Yeah, I definitely don't sit still. I don't stop. And um, I think that's a big part of my business is that I've always just kept going and I'm always thinking of the next thing that I can kind of do and um, the next thing that I can I can do to improve my business or expand um, particularly with brow hold it is something that I want to continue growing um, I do already have a few international stockers so that's really cool there you um, go. you're ahead of me congratulations <laughs> thank you. I have a couple of stockers in New Zealand so that's amazing um, in terms of my actual business itself, we're, we're definitely at a maximum capacity with our rooms. We've got six beauty rooms and all the girls are very busy. Um, we're looking for one more staff member at the moment. So I definitely think that I will continue growing my brand and my business. I, I think it's something that never stops. Um, whether it be we introduce more procedures into the business, more brow um, procedures. I definitely want to uh, expand my training. So I have a couple of things um, I'm working on at the moment behind the scenes. Um, I haven't uh, launched anything yet, but it's definitely something that I'm dwelling into at the moment. And um, yeah, I want to, I want to continue my training for sure. That's definitely something that I want to focus on. Exciting times. Watch this space. I'm sure we're going to see lots, um, lots come out from you across the next year and a half. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with me this morning. It's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tamara. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I don't know about you, but I absolutely adore the fact that Madeline has had absolute tunnel vision and she's kept that to set out and achieve her dreams of owning a salon space at the ripe age of 16. How proud she must be to know that she lives her best life every single day, all off the back of hard work that she's put in. Just shortly after Madeline and I stopped recording, she was telling me about the notion of performing quality work, quality training for her students and quality products for her clients. Something that I'm absolutely sure you could hear shine throughout the conversation today. This conversation would not have been possible without you guys. So thank you so much for your time and your ears. It is always so very appreciated. And the biggest thank you to everybody who writes us the most beautiful and special reviews over in your podcast platform. And to those of you who share how you're listening to the episodes across your socials. It truly lights up my day when I see and I read these across all of our channels. 
For more info on Madeline, you can find her at Madeline Kate Browse across the gram. Us, of course, well, we're at Butte Industry and myself at Tamara Shaw Reed. Until next time, stay connected.